this topic would have made no sense to me at any time in the last 29 years, except for right now. Is it time for Bob Kraft to say to Bill Belichick, hey, buddy, oh my gosh. it's been great, but it's time to go. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of Chasing It here on the 3013. Trey Wingo here with Chase Daniel. And Chase, I, I think we need to set up where we've been over the last <laughs> week. Because you you had a wonderful weekend in Columbia, Missouri, did you not? I did. It was fun. Boone County, Missouri, yeah. man. I'll tell you one thing, though. <laughs> I know we made that video and you were making fun of me, but that, that town of Columbia, it's right in the middle of the state. And it has grown so much since I've been in college. I mean, I went to college there in 05 to 09, 08. And there was stuff south of town. And there was no, like, when I say no high-rise buildings, there was none, zero high-rise buildings downtown. And there's this real estate guy that came in called, his name's John Odell, and he built up the entire town of student housing. My wife was, like, one of the first ones to stay in it. It's called Brookside. And they're popping up everywhere like these mixed uses these restaurants that weren't there i'm like man like i i I drove by the the old taco bell that i used to go to for lunch because that was the (laughs) nicest restaurant in columbia missouri and i used i I pointed to my wife like hey i used to eat there all the time she goes that's why you looked so fat in college go yeah you're right you're right but it was like it's it's insane the growth it's insane the growth of the town and the whole weekend was awesome. We went back. It was a tough game. We ended up losing. The team in general has gotten a lot better. And uh, it, was, it was a fun weekend. We did a thing with uh, Coach Pinkle, my old head coach. Gary Pinkle, we did, he has a GP-made foundation that uh, supports a, a, a lot of issues, uh, underprivileged kids, uh, most importantly. And uh, we did a whole whole uh evening on it and there was 350 people there it was a huge deal uh raised a lot of money and you know i've told this to people before but i've never really let myself like go back in time and think about the quote-unquote glory days because as a football player you always just want to look forward right you never want to look back you have your blinders on and my wife has always said, hey, like, you're, you're done now. You're retired for the most part. Like, why don't you just go in with an open mind? And then for some the of these questions. Part. Yeah. So, I mean, if someone calls, you never know. Okay. <laughs> but, but for the most part, it was one of those things where it was just such a cool evening. And I let myself actually go back there and just really relive uh, the, the glory days. And, and the glory days was like, hey, we got the number one in the nation in 07. That Armageddon yep. game, the MUKU game. I mean, you remember it was it was the most talked about game. Now, no one really talks about Kansas anymore. It's all Missouri because we're an SEC. Sorry, Kansas. Um, and it, it, it was something really cool because it was not only about, you know, on the field stuff, but it was all the stories off the field. It was the locker room. It was everything in between. So to actually get back, other than traveling with three small kids, a six-year-old, three-and-a-half-year-old, and a two-year-old cross country, it was an excellent weekend. Yeah, um, just real quick story. You know, I went to Baylor, and you know, Waco has become a thing now, right? Like, oh like yeah, Waco, Waco, and Columbia, Missouri were very similar. In fact, I actually was accepted at Mizzou and almost went to Mizzou. Uh, true story. My dad went there and got his, his his master's degree in journalism from there. 
Um, and then when I took my trip in the in the early '80s to Boone County, Missouri, Waco, Texas, was the only place that looked attractive. Uh, oh but, my gosh. But, but but both those both those little college towns, I'm like because of Chip and Joanna, you know, and and yes. all that all that stuff. Uh, Waco has blown up. I mean, it's like a vacation place for people now, yeah. which is insane. It's so wild. Uh, you were in Columbia. I'm in Maui, uh, out here now. Uh, on the islands, and uh, obviously we're, we're delighted to be here, but there's still a lot of, still people going through a lot of stuff. So uh, we're, we're doing what we can. We're volunteering as much as we can to just help people get on, get back up and on their feet. It's going to take years because the fires were that devastating. So uh, for anybody listening, if they if they feel the need to donate, whatever they can do, hawaiicommunityfoundation.org, mauiunitedway.org, yeah. or Lahaina Strong and Maui Strong. Those are great places to donate, and we would appreciate anything you can do. But that's, yeah. that's sort of where we've been. Uh, and now let's get into the meat, which is... Uh, Week five is in the books, and I, Chase, I really would, I, I want your opinion on this because through the first two games of the season, Jordan Love looked fantastic. He had a passer rating of 118, six touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, the, the Green Bay Packers looked thrilled with the decision they made to move on to Jordan yeah. Love. In the next three games, two touchdowns, six interceptions, including a, a triple dip on Monday night in the loss to the Raiders. The first loss, by the way, to the Raiders for the Packers since 1987. Since 1990, they had gone 8-0. Now, I get it. That's one of those weird stats because teams change, players change. But it's just this thing that had had gone on. That's the first time the Raiders had beaten the Packers since 1987. But more specifically, what are your concerns now about the Jordan Love experience five games in? Well, it just looks like, and we were texting in the group text, it looks like for the most part, he started off well, and then, and then he ended uh, the last three games, like you said, with those stats. It just hasn't, it hasn't clicked. And honestly, like at the end of the game, they were right in it, right? And he made this yeah. uh, a little bit of a bonehead decision to throw it into coverage on third YOLO and 10. Where do you do that? Yeah, YOLO, and you do that on fourth and 10, not third and 10. That, exactly. but, but also, but also, like, you look at the, the people around him. They have not been great. They had multiple drops last night. The offensive Correct. line's banged up in injuries. They don't have David Bakhtiari. They don't, they don't have the offense on the field. Aaron Jones wasn't there. They don't have the offense on the field and the support staff around him to make Jordan Love better. Okay, so then it falls on Jordan Love to go out there and actually play ball. Okay, but you can't play ball if you don't have people around you to help you. You're not that good of a quarterback yet because, listen, you're only five, six starts in, and you are still trying to figure out who you are as a player. LaFleur is still trying to figure out what plays you like. You're still trying to find your identity on offense, which they haven't. And that leads me to Jair Alexander. His quote last night, like, wow. Like, come on, man. Like, you go in there and you say, hey, you're going to – once you get interviewed, you go in there and say, hey, look, dude, like, it's the offense and the defense has to hold them to no touchdowns. Like – all this stuff within the locker room and everything that they're that they're going through right now, it just seems like a difficult time to be Jordan Love and the Packers. And we all said, including myself, like, hey, look at these first two games. He's thrown six touchdowns. He's done this. He's done that. Well, the last two or three games hasn't been so great. And it looks like, I mean, it's a little bit early to tell, Trey, you tell me, but it looks like when the Packers did that contract for Jordan Love this offseason, really not really picking up their fifth-year option, just buying a year. Year, okay, they can easily yeah. get out of it next year. They only, I think, a dead money is seven point eight five million dollars. They can get out of it next year or keep them at a high level backup. So these next few weeks for Jordan Love, these next six to ten weeks are going to be really, really important. Not only for the Packers right now, but for the Packers in the future. Going on, are we moving on from Jordan Love or are we not? Yeah. 
Yeah, look, the interceptions are, are, are one thing. Like, one of them was a tip. Was a tip ball. Splain second was a tip ball. I understand that, but but the one at the end of the game that was a YOLO throw, like we said on third down. Live to fight another day. You don't need to force that issue on third down. And maybe the bigger issue for Jordan going forward isn't the interceptions; it's the accuracy and the yeah. decision making. And again, you, you're right; he was not helped out last night. There were some drops, but he's completing about 56 percent of his passes now. Yeah. 20 years ago, you could get by with that. The way the game is played right now, if you're not completing 63, 64% of your passes, you're basically not giving your team a chance to win. So how do you – forget the, the interceptions. It's a learning curve. I understand that. That's, that's a process. The accuracy, how, is that a bigger concern for you? I think it is. And you made a good point with that because this offense, and you look at what this offense has been in the past with Aaron Rodgers, they don't throw the ball downfield a whole bunch. It's either block them up shots, check it down, or it's a lot of quick game. It's dragging lions, what we like to call it, like slants, flats, and just getting to the right play. These little like flat routes where people are blocking. They ran that play like six or seven times. Like eventually, you got to get to be accurate down the field. Okay, okay, everyone can be accurate if you're playing NFL quarterback for the most part between zero and 10 yards, right? That's called the short short part of the field. Well, the intermediate part of the field, to me, is where Jordan Love has to improve that 12 to 20 range, right? These deep crosses, these daggers, these in-cuts, these, like one of his interceptions where Marcus Peters tipped it, okay? That was like a, a, a curl route at 14 yards. He missed it a little bit outside. Now, the guy made a good break on it, but stuff right. like that, like that's where he needs to improve. I always thought he's thrown a pretty decent deep ball, and just the more tape you get and the more field you get look we only we only saw him last year against philly right and he played pretty well in spot duty when aaron injured some ribs but now it's like hey you've got like six games five games going for you and it's not looking super great especially the last three games i think they're one and two and and it's just it 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 looks like an uphill battle to me here yeah that's a great point because you can come out of the gate strong because nobody knows what you are yet nobody knows what you like to do nobody knows the things you don't like to do what your weaknesses are now they have that on tape. They're game planning for you to take that away from you. So that's yeah. that's the next thing that Matt Lafleur and the Packers need to do. They need to find ways to make easy throws for him to get this thing going. Okay, yeah. uh, there was nothing easy for the Dallas Cowboys uh, in that 32-point beatdown by the San Francisco mm. 49ers. There's a lot to get into here, including Michael Parsons, stop talking, which we'll get into in a minute. Love you, great player, <laughs> shut up, and just play better. We'll get to that in a second. Uh Watch the show, though, so it'll be great. Um, yeah. Was that game more of an indication of what San Francisco is or what Dallas isn't? Oh, it's 100% San Francisco. To me, like, they are the class of the NFL. We thought it coming in, and we thought, yeah. hey, as long as they stay healthy, and Brock Purdy has shown, hey, from his UCL injury, like, he's 100% healthy. He's a top he's playing like a top five quarterback in the National Football League right now is passer rating first in the National Football League he has total and complete command of that offense and it also helps when you have CMC Juice Kittle Ayuk is playing that like I broke down the game on YouTube and actually watched the all 22 and the Purdy stood out of course CMC stood out but the guy I was most impressed with was Brandon Ayuk. The route running yeah. ability for how tall he is, the speed, the breakaway speed, the route savviness at the top of his route. I came away really impressed. So just add that. And then you got Debo Samuel too, which, hey, he's not the forgotten guy either. So it's yeah. just the amount of weapons that they have right now and the command that Brock Purdy is showing within the huddle and 
the genius, the mad genius of Kyle Shanahan, put that together with that defense is pretty damn good too, right? Yeah. And they won the battle of the defenses. And I was just super impressed with just I mean, because Dallas came in as all world beaters on defense. Let's be honest. They were leading the league well, almost in takeaways, yeah. like all that stuff. Fewest and then, and then you game. go in. Yeah, and you get in and, and you go go up put a 40-burger on these guys, and it's like, okay, well, hey, I think it showed America, like, hey, San Fran is, is good to go. And you saw, like, uh, Mike McCarthy and Jerry Jones be like, hey, look, like, you know, we we got beat, but also that's a class class act, class team. Just don't let it turn into multiple losses because the Dallas Cowboys are still a really good football team. They are, and we'll get to that, and we'll get to the issues for Dallas. But the, one thing I, I took away from that game, and I think you might see it the same way, it's like we all have these ideas about what this quarterback can do and what these wide receivers can do. But at the end of the day, football to me comes down to one thing. Are you winning at the line of scrimmage? And that was a beat down at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Like the Dallas – look, I will concede that the Cowboys' offensive line is banged up. They're a little hurt. I'll, I'll, I'll grant you that, okay? But at the end of the day, that game to me was about the offensive line of the 49ers doing whatever the hell they fucking wanted to do against yeah. a pretty good Dallas defense. And, you know, they, the Dallas moved Micah around a bunch of different ways, and it felt like he was trying to jump and make a negative play instead of just trying to make the play. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. sometimes you have to be more gap responsible. And it felt like at times on that defense, Mike and a couple of the players were trying to get in and make a negative play instead of just stopping a play, right? So to yeah. me, what, what I took away from that game – this was a classic example of one team just owning the fucking line of scrimmage yeah. on offense and defense, and that was San Francisco. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, I, I watched it the same way, and, and honestly, you know, it gets lost in the shuffle because of all these flashy playmakers, these good defenders on the second level, that Micah Parsons, all that stuff. But every coach that I've ever been around and coached has always said the game starts in the trenches. Like, if yeah. you can have these fat, nasty, ugly, like crazy – defensive linemen, offensive linemen that'll just grind it out like these gritty, gritty players, like you're gonna be you're gonna be pretty good in this National Football League. And it's 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 no different. It's like it's the whole like nature of the game. If an offensive line can give a quarterback three seconds versus two and a half seconds, anyone can get back there with that skill players and throw the footballs accurately. Like that half second people don't understand at home makes all the difference. You're not rushed, you're not pressured and and especially up front on on the D line for for the 49ers, like they were relentless all night long. Yeah, they were. Uh, and that's one of the reasons Brock looked so comfortable yeah. uh, in the pocket. But he was dropping dimes in that game. Like, <laughs> like he was dropping dimes in that game, like right over the linebacker, Vander Esch a couple of times, right in front of the cornerback, right in the breadbasket of the wide receiver. Yeah. The other thing, and you mentioned the mad play-calling genius of Kyle Shanahan, there were so many throws where – Purdy hit the receiver in stride in the perfect location, and yeah. that allowed them to get 20 yak yard, yards after catch, 19, 20, 25, 30 yards after catch. So what are you seeing in Brock Purdy specifically? Because I'll tell you, from my perspective, it looks like he's never rattled. Even if there's an incompletion or he throws an interception, which he didn't do uh, uh, on, on Sunday, he, the moment never seems too big for him, and I don't think people appreciate that part of what it takes to play quarterback enough. Yeah, I mean, look, and that's something that I would absolutely characterize Brock Purdy with is the calm. It's just like yeah. everything going on around him because the defensive line in Dallas is top five in the National good. Football League. So they're, really good. They're really good. 
And so they're coming by you, and the pocket wasn't pretty. All, oh, you see what I did there? Pretty. The pocket wasn't pretty all night there. And um, he was just able to, he, like, he found his reads so quickly. And that's something that is not talked about too. Is like you're you're able to sweep the board. I mean, I I I, I got one play where he's sweeping the board. I think it was a couple weeks ago, and he gets through this first three reads and correctly gets to his fourth and throws CMC an angle route for a touchdown. And in my mind, he does that all in two hitches, which is the most really a quarterback can have. And I'm just like, the amount of processing skill that it takes to not only stay calm, but to be able to go through your progressions when when there's all sorts of stuff going on around you, it takes a special person. And it's not like he played at some massive, huge college. He played at Iowa State. So I don't know if it's a learned skill. Obviously, like he was Mr. Irrelevant. Everyone knows that. So it wasn't like this huge, big-time recruit. But what he's been able to do is really just master the offense and trust his progressions. And I think that's the, the, the most interesting thing about Brock is, like, you're right. Like, he was throwing absolute dimes. And it wasn't just, like – they were accurate. He was throwing between windows over Leighton Vander Esch. There was a corner route to Ayuk where he threw yeah. so early, and 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 the a DB tried to undercut it, but he he figured like he saw the DB undercutting, put it over top, and Ayuk on the left sideline was able to like make the catch, and he puts these guys, and that's the biggest thing of a quarterback, especially a young quarterback with little starts, that I've always heard a head coach say. Okay, you can be accurate with a football. That's great. It's a different thing to throw guys open and put the ball in a place where you can continue right. to get yak yards and rack yards because that is what makes an offense go from good to great if you can have that accuracy as a quarterback. Okay, so I think the San Francisco 49ers are very comfortable with their quarterback because of how comfortable he looks. On the other side of it, and again, I say this knowing that the, the offensive line for Dallas was banged up. They lost Biotish again. The center, he tried to gut it out in that game, and he had to go off. Does Dallas have a Dak Prescott problem? No, no, I don't. I don't think so. I, I, I think, I think Dak is. I think Dak is is still the guy. Like, I just don't. I look out there, and I don't see anyone else out there that can do the job he's doing. Like, like do the job to make it better than what he's doing. So I don't think it's you, a Dak Prescott the, problem. You mean you mean on the team of the Cowboys or someone else across the league? Because Someone they're going to have to address the it. Okay, because they're going to have to address this contract one way or the other this offseason. Yeah, right? we've talked about 100%. this before. Uh, they either they either uh, rework it to to make it more cap friendly going forward, or they say, "Hey, this has been great, but after seven seasons." Because I, if I'm a if I'm a Cowboys fan and I see what Purdy's doing, and again, I I understand that the offensive line is much better right now in San Francisco than it is in Dallas because of injuries, but Dak made. Bad decisions. He looked rushed a couple of times. He didn't, it didn't, it looked like he was the second year player and Purdy was the seven year veteran. Yeah. Well, and that's how it starts up front, right? Like if you're the Cowboys and you have injuries up front and you have center, like any quarterback against that pass rush. I mean, I got in a a few plays uh, last year when we played at. San Fran on a, a night game and I mean I, like going from the sideline I know this is Dak but going from the sideline and actually getting into the game and just feeling the pass rush like it just yeah. felt different than any other game I've ever been a part of because those guys are told in the defensive line room get after the quarterback and look I know Dak threw three th- three interceptions but for the most part you take his sample size of five games okay he's played pretty well he's put them in positions to 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 win ball games and and everyone has this hey 
two to three interception game, and I'm not making excuses for him. He can't make those, but he's trying to make plays at the end of the game where he's throwing these balls yeah. up. The, the the score was out of out of uh, out of whack. But if you look at it, I, I think that it's too early to tell. And look, they're going to have to address a contract. I get that, but I think Dak is still a, a, a good quarterback in this in this league. And I don't think one game. I don't think you can go and look at hey, here's one game of the 2023 season and base his other five games, which I think he's run the offense really well. I think he's protected the football really well. I don't think you can look at just one game and say, hey, is Dak the problem? No, no, I, I, I'm not saying that, and I want to be clear. But, you know, they laid an egg against Arizona. They absolutely yeah. laid an egg against Arizona, yeah. and uh, some, that, some of that, the defense was the issue. But here's the, here's the Cowboys' schedule, okay? They're 3-2 and two right now, and they're in the same division as the Philadelphia Eagles, who are one of two unbeaten teams in the NFL. Uh, they got to play the Chargers on Sunday. They have to play the Rams. They've still got Philadelphia twice. They've got to play Seattle. They've got to play Buffalo. They've got to play Miami, and they've got to play Detroit. That's not an easy schedule for the Dallas Cowboys, okay? So we need to figure out what they are because their numbers defensively across the board were amazing when they played Daniel Jones and the Giants, the Jets without Aaron Rodgers, and the New England Patriots who are an epic train wreck right now, which we will get into. So what is the Dallas defense really? Because there's – look, I love Dan Quinn, and they have great players. But when they played a real offense, they got the shit kicked out of them Sunday night. Yeah, well, and then also Arizona. The Arizona ran for 180 yards against them, like you yes. brought up as well. And yeah. so that 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 is an, an issue that you need to look at and feel like. I mean, you you said the schedule; it's not getting any easier. And I think time will tell. I think it's too early to tell. I do think that they're still talent wise, and this has always been the case, right, with the Dallas Cowboys. Talent wise, they're top five in the National Football League. They've always been that way. It's just Correct. the coaching or certain plays or certain like uh, coordinators. You know, they moved on from Kellen Moore, Mike McCarthy. Kellen Moore's got the, the Chargers top five in every offense of category right now. Okay, I don't know what the, the, the Dallas Cowboys are, but they sure aren't top five in every single category. So I think time will tell um, what that defense is, and, and, and the schedule is going to get a, a lot tougher as they continue to move forward. Yeah, all right, now let's talk about Micah Parsons. Like, Micah Parsons is top five defensive player no matter how you slice it. You know, you, if you want him – with all, with all due respect to my friend J.J. Watt, he could be the best defensive player uh, in, in football. But, but he went on, uh, you know, and, and you know, George Kittle had a shirt on. And he lifted it up. I don't know what it said. F Dallas, which, you know, I'm, I'm for it. I got no issues with that. They won 15 straight regular season games. They bounced the Cowboys out of the playoffs the last two seasons. At some point, do something about it. You know, but Micah went on and, and basically said, hey, you know, we're we're better than what we showed Sunday night. And I get that. Of course you want to say that. But then he's like talking to George Kittle and said, laugh now, cry later, because it's gonna be different next time. I'm sorry. You get you get horse raced by 32 points? Shut up. Just shut up and get better. Like, like don't don't do this like chirping stuff. And again, Micah is an unbelievable player. This has nothing to do with his ability as a player, but I don't know where it makes you feel better or anybody feel better when you start chirping when you got your ass handed to you. Yeah, some, sometimes, you know, guys around the league love to talk smack, and some people do it more often than not. But all I have to say is, like, the old adage, like, hey, scoreboard, look at the, look yeah. at the scoreboard. Like, why, right like, why, like, it's right there. We're kicking y'all's butt. And I think, I think, I think there's, that's how Micah is, and I think that's how a lot of guys around the league are. Like, hey, this game takes a lot of pride to play, and you got to have a supreme – confidence even if it's not even if you get your ass kicked one game 
Like, I don't care what position you are. Like, you got to truly believe, like, you are the best in the league. And he is. But also, like, in his mind, it's probably his way of pumping himself up. Like, hey, I'm going to do everything I can to go on to the next game. If we play them, which they probably will, if they make the playoffs, I'll see them again. Might get knocked out for the third time. Let's be honest. That's an if if right now. That's an if. But we'll probably get knocked out for a third straight year. From the 49ers, so I think it's just his way of sort of hyping himself up and, and staying a little bit relevant in the media as well. All right, so we'll see what happens with them going forward. But again, just play better. Like, I mean, it's just like even Dak said it. That was a very humbling loss. And Mike yeah. is out there like, well, we're, we're, we're as good as they are. Well, you weren't. Okay, maybe next yeah. time you will be, but you weren't. Yeah. Uh, so the Cowboys are three and two, as are the Buffalo Bills. Um, you know, this, if you're a Bills fan, if you could just like play the Super Bowl in September, they'd win three. Okay, like like every year it seems like in the Josh oh, Allen era they come out of the gate and they are world beaters. Okay, and yep. they lost the overtime yep. game to to the, to the Jets in a weird way, but you know they they pretty much handled their business. Everything else, then they go to Jackson, they go to London, play the Jags, and they lose. And now. They're losing players. Okay, they're three and two. They lost Tre'Davious White the previous game against Miami, where they won by twenty-eight over the, over the Dolphins. Uh, now uh, uh, they uh, they lose Matt Milano, who might be yeah. one of the best players that nobody in the NFL really knows about or talks about. He's an unbelievable player. Also lose Daquan Jones, the defensive tackle. They say they're getting Von Miller back. That's great. Where is your level of concern with Buffalo? Because we've seen this act, yeah. it seems like, every year. They come out of the gate strong, and then they sort of struggle, and they never deliver in the postseason. Well, it's, it's, it's high. I mean, the level of concern is high because you look at the first uh, loss in overtime to the Jets in that weird game, the Aaron Rodgers game, right? And then Crazy game. You look, you look at the next couple weeks, and they are steamrolling people, which at the time we thought Miami was all world beaters, which they still are. They're still really good, yeah. and we'll talk about them later in the show. But then steamroll them at home, okay? But they're 3-2, and two, and, you know, we all thought at the, at the start of the year it was going to be like, in some order in the AFC, it was going to be Chiefs, Cincy, Buffalo, or Buffalo, Cincy. Like, Chiefs are always up there. And it just is not looking good because, like, if you end up stacking some losses together, the Chiefs aren't going to lose, like, more than three or four games all year long. Like, this is, it's just not going to happen. The only Correct. team that can beat themselves is them. Like, that, that's it. Like, they can beat themselves, okay? And so, the Bills, other teams can beat them. Like, it, it showed, and it showed with a sluggish start. Listen, I get it. It's London. We can talk about that as well. But at I the do, end of the actually. day, but at the end of the day, like, it's just to the point, like, Jacksonville, like, the Bills are a better team than Jacksonville. And I they get are. it. The injury woes, everything about it that happened, and they end up losing to Jacksonville, which is in their in their conference, which like if Jacksonville goes on the run, like all these standings, they're just not a good away team, especially in the playoffs. If they play at home, it's a different story. But to go on the road to London, that's a different different story for sure. Right, well, let's let's talk about that for a second because the Jags had a huge benefit in that game. They were the first yeah. team ever in the in the NFL to have back to back games in London. And believe me, the NFL wants a team in London. Roger Goodell's been saying this for over a decade. Oh. He was asked years years ago, he said, when do you want a team in, in London? He said, as soon as possible. Okay, so that that is the plan. So how much of an advantage, in your opinion, because you've played over there, how much of an opinion, how much of an advantage is it in your mind 
that Jacksonville was there and they they were acclimated. And it's not the time difference, it's the time zones. That's the thing, okay? Like someone was someone tried to justify it once to me. It was like, well, New York to Seattle is the same distance as New York to London. But you're not crossing the international timeline, okay? <laughs> it's only a three-hour uh, time difference as opposed to a six-hour time difference. Explain to people why that is such a big deal. I mean, it's a huge deal, not only um, just from the time zones, right? <clears throat> but from the travel aspect. I mean, it's a long flight. People get dehydrated on the plane. You're trying to figure out what to do. Then you're jet lagged. Then you're going. And and I played in London three three different times. Okay, the first time was in 2015. And um, teams, for those who aren't listening, when they go over to London in these international games, they either go in on a Thursday night, so they land Friday morning, <clears throat> or they leave Sunday night after their other game and go there and stay all week. I've done it both. The first year. We did 2013, sorry, 2015 Chiefs. We went over on Thursday night. So what you do the whole week, you put your entire game plan in pretty much. Okay, so you're a day ahead. You have a Thursday practice, and then you head up, and you get on a plane, and you fly across a pond, and you try to land around 7 or 8 a.m. Friday morning, London time. What we ended up doing, we went to the hotel. They had breakfast and brunch. Hey, don't fall asleep. Stay up. <clears throat> we have a stretch line. Go on a little bit of a run. Okay, once you did that, then we actually ended up going to practice right from that. We had meetings. We installed a Friday red zone practice. And, I mean, I'm telling you, until that Friday practice, everyone for the Chiefs felt like dog crap. Like, it was it was yeah. awful because of the time zone difference. You don't, you, you're, you're literally supposed to get a night's sleep on the plane but it was an eight-hour no flight. It, no, no one does. And they bring in these no sleep doctors, and they bring in all yeah. this stuff. I'm sorry. It's not the same. But after that practice, you get your juices flowing, you get rolling, and then you end up going to bed at like 9 p.m. You're supposed to stay up, right, for this jet lag. And you wake up Saturday. You have a Saturday walkthrough, and then you're able to explore London. And then by Saturday afternoon, when you're exploring London with your family and your friends, it's amazing. And we went out and beat, beat the crap out of uh, Detroit, I think, that, that year. Okay, in 17, in 17, we went the entire week. And I thought that that was a lot <clears throat> better. Obviously, like, you were just focused in a, in a hotel, okay? We went with the Saints, and we, you're focused in a hotel. You understand what's going on. You get the jet lag out of your system, and it feels like a normal week. It's not rushed. There's, there's, there's uh, much more structure to practice. You get nights free where you can go into town, hang out, like, explore. Like, you got curfew, all that stuff, and then the day before the game – you move uh, hotels, and it's great. And so, like, what I'm saying is, like, absolutely, it was a huge advantage. And honestly, the story of this game, that Jacksonville was over there for eight days. I mean, they, were, they had played two games there. It was like, they're like the London home team. They played every year multiple games there. And it's one of those things where, in my opinion, like, I'm not making excuses for Buffalo, but the way the league did it was a little dirty to the Bills because Jacksonville staying over there for two straight weeks, like two straight games, was a huge advantage for them. Yeah, and by the way, you're not wrong in what you're talking about. Jacksonville has now played 12 games in London. That's the most. And the Bills actually are second with, with nine. So th these are the two London teams. C can you ever foresee a situation where it's, it would be competitively fair to just have one team in London? There's no way. 
There's no yeah. shot. Because we've yeah. talked about it a lot in teams we've been on. And we've talked about it a lot with the NFL Players Association, which has to, ha- has to sign off on it as well. Like, eventually, like, yeah. there's going to be some sort of, like, hey, give and take. And you look at the dynamics of it, and how would that work? Like, like the only way it would possibly work is you have a team in line. Just take Jacksonville. You have a team in Jacksonville, okay? I, I think and that's you, the plan, by the way. That's the, the plan. I, I think that's, that's the, the plan. plan. Yeah, but you put Jacksonville in London, okay? So the London Jaguars is what we're going to call yeah. them. The Shaguars, okay. baby. It's not only It's not only like you're going over there. Like your whole families are moving over yeah. there. Every yeah. single bit of that. How, like, it's just a lot of logistics that goes in there. Okay, so, so take, for instance, the London Jaguars have a game against, um, say, the Kansas City Chiefs. So they got to travel to America, okay? And the only way it would possibly work that way is if you had four-game road trips, just yeah. like they do in Major League Baseball, okay? Can we have those four-game road trips where, hey, okay, then you're going without seeing your wife and your kids for four weeks? Like, absolutely not. There's no way it would work. And then you stay home for four weeks. Like, it's four-week intervals. But, dude, you're on the, you're on the road in America for a month, and your family and your kids are going to school in the U.K. I just don't see there's any way it would possibly work in any way that a team in London could recruit. Yeah, well, to, to me, the only way it makes sense, and I, I think the NFL would love this, if they had an international division, right? Oh, like, they're, they're, all over, they're all over Germany now. There's a reason the, the Germany game is Kansas City and Miami, okay? That's, <laughs> that's not an accident. Well, let's just, no, they, they want that game there because the, the game in Germany last year was off the charts incredible experience. So, to yeah. me, the only way this works is if you have a true international division and then you can sort of mitigate some of those things you're talking about but listen the idea of one team in london and i know the nfl wants it and i know roger wants it it makes no damn sense to me no logistically no way okay this topic would have made no sense to me at any time in the last 29 years except for right now is it time for bob Kraft to say to bill belichick hey buddy it's been great but it's time to go. Chase, we're talking about back-to-back weeks now. The two worst losses in Bill Belichick's career. 38-3 to Dallas, 35-point loss on the road. They follow that up by being shut out at home, 34 to nothing, by the New Orleans Saints. And, and here's the problem. There, there's no way it's getting better in New England. In fact, here, here, here's the issue. It's not that they're bad. It's that they're irrelevant. And at the end of the day, you can be really bad or you can be really good. But if no one cares, that's what makes it worse. And right now, the New England Patriots are an irrelevant franchise in the NFL. How does this conversation go? How does this end? Because they don't have any playmakers. They don't have any playmakers on offense. Chase, there's not one guy on that team that a DC will look at and go, whoa, we got to stop this dude. Yeah, I mean that's you hit. I mean, you literally just did the analysis. That that's the analysis. There's no playmakers. They're not scared of anyone. They're really not. Like it's like on defense, they're they're decent, and that's what the Bill Belichick style of of play is. Like, hey, we're gonna be really good on defense. We're gonna really study the game plan. We're gonna really put in stuff to actually like you know help us uh, play really well, and we're gonna out scheme you. Well, okay, they can do that on defense a little bit, but if the offense can't score. 
Like, literally got shut out. Like, literally cannot score. score. Literally cannot score. Like, it is, it is absolutely cause for concern. And at what point, that's, that's what I keep coming back to. Like, it's so much bigger than offense and defense and special teams, and maybe that they're not relevant. But, like, you have the best head coach in the history of the game going through these struggles, right? Like, you got your yep. first and second worst losses ever as a head coach in NFL history, and it's back-to-back weeks. Like, it can't get any lower. It can only go up from here. What do they do? Do they, do they make a change at quarterback? Okay, does, does old boy come in and, and provide a spark for, for Mac Jones? I don't know. But Mac Jones ain't it because he ain't, he's turning the ball over. He's not playing right. And sure enough, Bill Belichick's saying, oh, he's still the guy to help us like win the game. Like, at what point do you just blow the whole thing up? Like, I don't think, I don't think it's going to happen during season. Even if they win three games the rest of the way, rest of the way. that's no way to treat the best head coach in the history of the game. Like, yeah. like it's not going to happen. Yeah, but you you know there's not really great blood between Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick right now. Yeah, like that that's like let's just be honest about it. Like you tolerated it because you were winning all the time. He tried to get rid of Brady a couple of times before. I mean, here's their schedule. Okay, they're one and four. They're one and four. Okay, here's their schedule. They got the Raiders in Vegas. Then they got Buffalo. Then they go to Miami. Then they got Washington. Indianapolis and the Giants. There's some hope there. Then they play the Chargers. Then they play Pittsburgh. They play the Chiefs. They play Buffalo again. And they play the Jets. Dude, like, where, where's the, where's the, give me the hope. If, if you're a New England fan and you're listening, find the hope because I don't see it. I don't see it either. I'm sorry, guys. There's, I mean, like, it's just, I, I was going through my head <clears throat> as you were reading off their final schedule, and I thought to myself, and I was counting off wins or even a tie here or there <laughs> if they could get, and I came up with maybe four to five wins, yeah. and that it's ain't getting crazy. in the playoffs. Like, no. like, it, like, are we okay. looking at a Patriots team? Are we looking at a Patriots team that's only going to win five to six games? Like, yes. Like this I, is. Uh, by the way. It, Unfortunately, real Patriots fans know this feeling because that was every year before 2001. Okay, like yes. the Patriots were the most irrelevant franchise before Brady and Belichick. They were. No one cared. Monday Night Football refused to go there because the fans got so drunk they were throwing things at the booth. Okay, like those, those are literally things that happened. Okay, they are irrelevant. At what point does Robert Kraft as a businessman have to say, we can't be irrelevant? Like, it's a, yeah. it's it's mind-boggling to think, but it, I mean, it's done. Like it's done. There's 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 no there's no way of salvaging this right now. No, and there's not. It's not. I mean, I, I think it is done. And, and unless some crazy, decided like run of the century happens, and they go to Zappy, and Zappy becomes all world, and they win a bunch of games, and they get in the playoffs, like it just is looking like more and more that Bill Belichick is, is going to be probably on the outs next year. Bill Belichick is 71. He'll be 72 at the start of next season. And he has said specifically he wants to break Don Shula's record because Don Shula said some things about Spygate that pissed him off, okay? So, I mean, literally, he, he, he's, he's gone on record and saying, no, he made it personal. So are we envisioning a scenario where at 72 years old, Bill Belichick is no longer the coach of the Patriots, and he goes somewhere else no. just to try and break the record? Is that no. a possibility? 
I mean, I'm sure teams would be lining up for him to actually like find a way to like get the legend of the game. But yeah, I mean, look, he wants to pass him and he wants the he wants to be able to 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 move to to number one overall and. I mean, but at, at what point is it like, okay, hey, Belichick's luck has run out. Like, But also, you put Bill Belichick on the Chiefs, he's winning a ton of games, too. Like, he really is. So it ends there's up no being talent. interesting that, to me. Problem. There's no there's, talent. There's, there's no talent. Yeah. But, but see, part of that is the problem because Bill put this roster together. Bill yeah. put this roster together. All right, yeah. hold on. I'm going yeah. to close the door here because uh, Chinch is telling me that you can hear the yard works. So let me just close this real quick. <laughs> a, little, uh, a little less uh, noisy. That should help. Hold on. This should help. Sorry, guys. No, we're rolling right here, man. This is the stuff you get behind the scenes, man, where Trey just got to sneak out. Hey, Hawaii, you think it's all nice and and comforting and this this really good luxury vacation. They got yard work too, man. Hey, man, stuff's got to get done. That's just the way it is. Stuff's got to get done. Oh, my God. So thank you, everybody, for that little insight on the uh, on the yard work going around. But we're good. We're ready to roll, and we will continue. And we continue with the next topic, which is, what has everybody always said, Chase? The best ability in football is availability. And that is something that Anthony Richardson and the Colts have not figured out. He's going to miss multiple weeks now with that right shoulder sprain. Uh, he can't finish a game. Okay, and I I put this out on Twitter and I put it out on threads. I said, I don't the NFL does not care how big you are, how fast you are, how strong you are, how freakishly athletic you are, because if you can't learn how to avoid hits or take hits the right way, you're done. It doesn't matter. And what what did everybody say about this kid? Oh, we've never seen a specimen like him. And you know what? Who gives a shit? Because if you can't if you can't protect yourself, it yeah. doesn't matter. This is a hundred percent injury rate in this in this league. A hundred percent. How do the Colts figure this out, and how does Anthony Richardson figure this out? Because some of this is on the play calling. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you, listen, you said it. It's a hundred percent injury rate, and um, you know he obviously th- th- this injury is a little bit different because he fell. Right, if they're thinking like right shoulder AC joint, which is brutal, it's going to be multiple weeks. No strength once that happens. I've had multiple quarterbacks that have had sort of an injury like that, maybe not a grade three, which is looking pretty bad. But the first few times he was hurt this year was it was concussion. So like, I'm just glad it wasn't a concussion, and that's a different thing. It does have to do with the play calling because they kept running this guy and they kept running this guy, and there's certain quarterbacks that can do that. Lamar Jackson for the longest time. I know the past couple of years there's been a little bit hit and miss and some injury bugs, stuff like that. But he is like the perfect example of someone who is an amazing runner, but doesn't get hit in a way that just like he yeah. knows when to get down. He's slippery. He slides. And, um, you know, Anthony Richardson being this big, tall, like, like dude, it reminded me like when he came in, not, not, not like the size of Cam Newton, but Cam Newton really got hurt, right? You never saw yeah. it because he was just so much bigger than everyone. Now, this isn't Anthony Richardson, but he's a pretty well-built guy. And yeah. it's, it is concerning. And honestly, like, forget the analysis of it. Like, I just feel bad for the guy because yeah. uh, he's trying to do everything that he possibly can to get himself on that field. And stuff like this, like this to me was just a freak injury. Like, he got tackled on it, and it stinks. The, the concussions, 
change your helmet. Obviously, like brain health is is like of utmost importance, and and he was good enough to come back in and play. But like, I just wanted to see a full a full like four or five games from this guy because he's shown at times to be electric. But you said it. I mean, at the end of the day. I mean, that's, that's literally why they went out and got Gardner Minshew. Like, could they have got some other guys? Yeah, but he knows that offense backwards and forwards. He's been a really good player for them. And, um, you, you know, moving forward, do you see even like – like because they have a lot of quarterback run game in the offense. And I was talking – I'm buddies with Sam Ellinger, who is the third string, now is going to be the backup behind Gardner Minshew. And he's got some running. But do you see some packages with him, like you do Taysom Hill moving forward in some of that quarterback run game because it's such a big – part of the offense so all that stuff plays into it but at the end of the day I just feel bad for the guy like I hope he comes back and I hope he plays well because he was starting to play with a lot of confidence it's still his rookie year he's still so young he's still got so much of his career ahead of him but at the end of the day you got to be you got to be good enough to get on the field and stay on the field and, and stay away from the injury bug as, as much as you can especially at the quarterback position well I mean he only had 13 starts in college so I mean we're talking yeah. about a guy who is still a, very much an un finished product in terms of what he can be in the football field. But what point, uh, you know, some of this is on the Colts, right? You have this, you have this freak athlete. You think, oh, we can use them all these different ways. But you, you got to protect him. And if, if you're a Colts fan, here's the worst part about it. You've seen this already. Okay? This is why Andrew Luck is no longer playing. Yeah. Andrew Luck, I mean, he, he went on record many times and said, I don't feel like I'm in the game until I get that first hit. And a lot of people feel the way. I understand that. Yeah. But Andrew would not slide. Andrew would not run out of bounds. Andrew would, would try and make that. It. He was the oh. worst at it. And that you know, he got a lacerated kidney one game against the Broncos, that kind of stuff. I mean, like, if you're a Colts fan, you're like, we've seen this play out before with a franchise-type quarterback. And because he couldn't adjust the way he played, it ended his career. Same thing with RG3 in a different way. RG3 was super fast, but he was not slippery. Look, there's a reason why I call Alvin Kamara a cephalopod, okay? That's an octopus or a squid because they're, they're squishy. They're malleable. They can move. Yeah. It, it feels like no one ever gets a, a, a square hit on Alvin Kamara. Like, he, no one ever squares him up in Jackson. Never. And, and that's a skill set that Andrew Luck never learned, and it ended his career and they better learn it pretty quick with Anthony Richardson in Indianapolis. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing. Like, you can look at it from one of two perspectives. I think as a former player, I look at it from more of a perspective of, hey, like, it's not on the coaching. Like, it's not on the coaching. Like, it's on the player eventually. Like, some – I've been a part of a lot of teams with some big-time injuries. A lot of it is just, like, bad luck. Okay, like a slip on the turf or like you're hit a certain way. I've seen way worse hits result in a guy just coming back up and you get hit just a certain way at just a certain time and it's a season-ending season injury, an ACL, an Achilles, like stuff like that. So I think a lot of it is just like bad luck. Like, But eventually, like you said, you have to learn how to protect yourself. You have to learn, hey, when a play is over, and I think like throw the ball away as a quarterback. And I think that's what he's going through with this process. Like, hey, continue to go. Hopefully, hopefully he gets back in a short amount of time because you never wish these injuries on it. But like, I would just say to him, like, dude, you got to learn to protect yourself at the end of the day. Yeah. And, and we'll see what, by the way, now I've said this at the start of the season. I think the Colts have a better chance with Gardner Minshew at this point than they do Anthony Richardson. He's played really well. They have Jonathan Taylor yeah. back. The Colts are now, Colts are now an interesting team. We'll just see how they manage this situation with Anthony Richardson. Uh, all right, let's do some rapid fires. You ready? 
Yeah, let's do it. Sean Payton had to win that game. Like he had one game he had to win after all the noise he talked in the offseason. He had to win that game and he didn't. So Nathan Hackett gets the revenge. Uh, how bad is Denver right now? And oh, by the way, after that devastation, they got to go to Kansas City on Thursday night where they have lost 14 straight times against the Chiefs. It ain't getting yeah. any better. So um, is it, was, that, yeah. was that a big win for Nathaniel Hackett or are the Broncos just piss poor? Well, I think it was. I think it was a little bit of both. You look at like historical DVOA on defenses, and the Broncos right now are dead last. Okay, just just so pe- I I wow. I understand that, but 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 tell people what DVOA. You, t- is. you tell people. I don't even know. I, I can't even explain it. I just know it's a bad stat. Very yeah, bad it's, stat it's, to have. It's it's, it's above average. It's whatever. It's it's just I hate it's it. It's hard. I mean, it's hard. It's it, it's pretty much yeah. it's pretty much a metric. Yeah. Of the way of like how bad your defense is playing, if like above average expected points or plays, something like yeah. that. But all I know is like the metric is what like you look at overall for horrible defenses. And the Broncos have literally been one of the worst in the history through five games. So um I think though it was it was it was revenge. It was revenge for Nathaniel Hackett. Like all he's been through, all he's done. Um and look, he did. He he. Let's be real. Like he, it was a very bad coaching job. And with Sean Payton talking it up last year, and or sorry, in this in this year, like that was the one game, like you said, that he had to win. And they just go out there. And and I watched that. And that's the game. Like when you're, we were flying back from Columbia, Missouri. That was the only game that they had on of the late window game. So I had to watch it, and it was so bad by both yeah. teams. Like I I thought that game, no one should have won that game. Yeah, no, it was a misery fest for a while. By the way, just so people DVOA is a metric devised by football outsiders, which measures success on each play as compared to league average based on a number of variables, including down distance, location on the field, current score gap, quarter, and opportunity opponent quality. So, like, people have bought into it, but it's kind of made up. Like, it's like, yeah. it's like, it's it's like war in baseball wins above replacement. Well, who's the replacement? Oh, it's yeah, this who, mythical yeah. creature we just made. You know, like yeah, it's exactly. the same thing. Like it can tell you some stuff, but you get so deep into the weeds of some of this shit, it drives you crazy. Oh Bottom line is, it's really bad for the uh, for the Broncos right now. And oh, by the way, uh, Russell Wilson's actually playing much better than he. It was ain't Russ. Year. It's not Russ. Like it's not Russ. It's everything else right now. And, and real quickly, tip of the cap to Zach Wilson because. He yeah. looks like a quarterback now. Like uh, that, the, there is such thing as a moral victory, and he had one against the Chiefs. 100%. And it's show it's showing the way he's playing now. Okay, Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. How do you define his season under his new deal in one word? Okay, it's okay, it's two, but we're gonna put a hyphen, so it's one. Let down, Love it. let yeah. down, like like yeah. like like that. Like you can only do so much as a quarterback. These drops. From these receivers, OBJ Correct. going up and not even swatting down a red zone interception. Like, that, Correct. not really his cup of tea. I get it. But, like, dude, we've talked about this a lot before. You're only as good as the 10 other players around you. And those 10 other players, they're a good team. There's no way. There's no way the Pittsburgh Steelers should have beat them. I'm sorry. Zero. Zero way. They just stayed in the game. Okay? Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's just let they down. Like, you're just being let down. They hung around. But I think, I think Lamar Jackson's let down. Yeah, and again, I, I'm not putting it on Lamar. I'm putting it on everybody else. Did he throw the horrible interception? Absolutely. By the way, my, my friend Chris Long had a great line about the Steelers. He said, they're the guy that comes over to your house for a party, 
And if he's not out the door by 9 o'clock, he's sleeping on your fucking couch. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> if you don't get him out, he's going to hang around forever. And so that's exactly true. that's exactly who the Steelers are. So tip of the cap yeah. to, to Chris Long. He, he's uh, That was a very good analogy. Is it, all right, is it time to say that the, the Detroit Lions are a top three team in the NFL and in the NFC? Are they, they are. Are they, are they there yet? They're there yet. Yes, right? absolutely. This is, this is the greatest reclamation project since Detroit. Okay, yeah. since yeah. Detroit after yes. the bailout in 2008, this is the greatest wreck. Like Detroit was, they were the Patriots right now. They were irrelevant. No one cared. No one wanted to go to Detroit. No one wanted to be there. Uh, the the fan base hadn't had any success in forever. They've won one playoff game since the Mesozoic era of the dinosaurs, and now they're <laughs> a thing, man. The Lions are a thing, and it's a it's a beautiful thing to see. Restore the roar, right? That's what we were talking about. Like it is, it is back, and 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 you just look at like that that opening night win looms large because I think not only like against the Chiefs, right? I think it, I think it not only set the the tone for the season, but it also set the tone. Like these aren't the same old lines. Like national television yeah. first game, the 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 NFL put them in the opening kickoff, and what they've been able to do. I mean, you look at the standings in the NFC North. I, I think the uh, the Packers two and three, and they're in second place, and they got and Detroit's got four wins. They've already doubled them up. And um, it's fun to see because I know, like, I was in Detroit, and they were so hungry for some hope and something yeah. to hang their hat on. And boy, oh boy, like, no matter what, like, the Lions fans have stayed with them. And boy, they are that's paying off for them right now because it, it, they're they're not only like really good top three team in the NFC, they're fun to watch with Dan Campbell, yeah. man. They're fun to watch. Well, listen, I remember when Dan uh, had an interim gig with, uh, with the Miami Dolphins years ago as the head coach. And we, we sort of made fun of – because, you know, Dan's a caricature. Like, he's a, he's a cartoon oh, character. He really, he really is. So we called him Man Campbell. You know, what, what can Man Campbell do for you? And then he gets this second opportunity with the, Giant, with, the, uh, with the Lions. And I'm telling you what, man, he has made a difference. Like, there are two kinds of coaches in the NFL, 100%. right, in my opinion, head coaches. There's X's and O guys. And there's motivation guys. Yep. And you better be a really good motivation guy if that's what you are. And they have bought in. Like, they have yeah. bought in to Dan Campbell 100%. And I, I cannot give him enough praise because, yeah. I, you know, the, the, the first of all, I know guys that played with him when he was a player. And he was, he was out there, man. Okay, He was crazy. He has, he had, he has evolved into this, this thing as a head coach. And it's really fun to see. Well, and that's the thing. Like we call them CEO type coaches, right? Like you don't coach yeah. offense, you don't coach defense, and those CEO coaches are really, really good because they better be really, really good at talking to the team and, and and getting these guys to buy in. And that's what I'm seeing. That's the difference to me on the Detroit Lions is the buy in from the players and they're trusting Dan Campbell and success and wins are following. Yeah, yeah, that's it. They're, whatever he's selling, they're buying, and and that's the best way to do it. So kudos to Man Campbell because he is making yeah. it down. He is me is making the chicken salad out of the chicken. You know what? And they have good players. I want to be clear. They have really good players. Very now. good. Okay, here's here's the really interesting one. Minnesota Vikings are living proof that some things don't translate. Right? Eleven one win, one score wins a year ago. All time NFL record, including the greatest comeback ever against the Colts. They are one and four. All of those losses in one-score games. Is it time to just burn it all down? Because Justin Jefferson's out now. Going to miss some time with a hamstring. They have no shot without Justin Jefferson. Is it time for the Minnesota Vikings? Because they they kind of did it, Chase, this offseason. By letting some pieces go yeah. and doing this. Yeah. It is it is not working. Is it time for the fire sale in Minnesota? 
Yeah, absolutely. Especially with J.J. Hurt, man. Like the, the, he's, he's their best player far and away. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Trade Kirk Cousins. He's not going to be your quarterback next year. Trade him to the Jets. No. The Jets are, will get to the playoffs and, and make some noise. Zach Wilson, love the way you've been playing. Put Kirk Cousins on that team. Let him sit, learn the offense for three weeks or so, and then get him into the game. He makes a huge difference because the Jets have all the pieces. But, yes, back to Minnesota, fire cell, out, everything. That's crazy. Life comes at you fast, man. 13 wins a year ago, and now we're heading into week six. And it's a reasonable thing to say it's time to just let it go. All right. Yeah. Last thing. Last thing. Are we over I wonder what you're going to ask. Are we over the Taylor Swift shit? Like, is it done? Um, like, you know, well. There were the reports that the NFL was asking broadcast uh, the partners to put her on as much as possible because they wanted to get into a Super Bowl halftime show. Uh, our boy Travis doesn't want to talk about it anymore, and uh, we artfully talked about it without actually talking about it last week. But is, is, the, is the Swifty phenomenon done in the NFL? Hell no, it's not done, dude. It's Taylor Swift. It's going to be talked about every single week. I saw this viral video, um, and we're going to show it here. Chinch, you better figure it out. It's what the Vikings, it was shown on ESPN's like Reel, on Instagram Reel. And it was the Vikings mascot, I think his name's Victor. And it was like pushing this popcorn thing, like she, like she, people say she hid in uh, yeah. when she was with the Chiefs, and she was yeah. at the Chiefs game in, in Travis's suite, and they were pushing this on the ground and said, "Is Taylor Swift in there?" It got like three million views. The most that a Minnesota Vikings one had ever had was like not even a minute. Like it's just like anything you talk about or play about. Or make a pun about like it's going to be talked about, especially this. She's the biggest superstar in the world right now. It's insane. Yeah. So the NFL, I love the NFL fans. Like, oh, enough already, bro. Well, the numbers are the numbers. Okay. The Chiefs yeah. the Sunday night game was the highest, most watched game since the Super Bowl. Okay. So it's, mm. I mean, it is what it is. About it the is money. What it is. It is about the clout, and she has it. <laughs> all right, brother. That's it for this week. Uh, be good. Be strong. Uh, and we'll talk to you next week. All right. All right, guys. See y'all later.